welcome. G'day, how the bloody hell are you? Welcome to episode number 165 of the Average Man podcast, T- Kicking the Tires, I believe that track was called. Hey, um, look mate, Sunday afternoon, which has become the standard for these uh, podcasts of late, second one in a row. We're not skipping a week at the moment, that's always bloody good. Um you know, I did nearly miss my opportunity. I fell asleep on the on the couch before after watching a couple of UFC fights because I was just a bit. Um, I'm bloody knackered, mate. Eh? I am bloody knackered. We had um, three days off work last week because we went to Running Waters, as I spoke to you guys about on on last uh, week's episode of the podcast. And dude, it took me. Oh, I've got. I mean, it took me all week to catch up. Really, the first three days, especially, was just full hectic, and then. As I was playing catching up at work on those days, other shit rolled in and I spent the rest of the week playing catch up from the first half of the week and then I had to go in on um, on Saturday as well. I spent five or six hours in the in the office on Saturday getting on top of my shit, which I, I, I did. Um, I still got a few little things to tidy up, but I really broke its back and got myself onto a, off to a good start for tomorrow at work because it just sucks, man, like this playing catch up and then always being on the back foot while you know situations are, are developing, not the best way to not the best way to go about business. So um, it's just a hectic time of year, man. I guess it is. You know, um, going to be busy, going to be mentally drained. Going to be it's going to be like that right up through until Christmas. So you know, at least the uh, the days are definitely not dragging on. They uh, they're r- really bloody ripping by, mate. But it leaves me a little bit spent uh, of the evenings, you know, and 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 on the weekends as well. Had a date night last night with a wifey, and man, I was falling asleep. Like after we ate and had a couple of drinks, I was sitting there like nine thirty or something. No, it wasn't even that late. It was nine o'clock because they they, they gave they served last drinks at nine. I was sitting there just struggling to get through the last 10, 15 minutes um, of that date, <laughs> and then came home and um, my brother was looking after my daughter. My boy was out for a sleepover that night. He he shot off, and man, by ten o'clock I was. Absolutely done. Just had to go to bed. Wife was spewing at me. Oh, yeah, buddy. Every time you hang out with me, you just fall asleep. And I'm like, man, fucking give me a break. I'm just tired. Your man's tired. I can't help it, eh? I get up at 3.30. My alarm goes off at 3.30 in the morning. I'm out of bed by quarter to four at the latest. And, you know, then the whole day rolls on after that. You fucking work and come home and work the dog, feed, you know, make food for everyone, pack lunches the next day and shit. <sighs> get to bed, get up, do it all over again, do that five, six days in a row. It's bloody, bloody tiring, man. Um, again, uh, I'm not drinking during the week at the moment, which is which is been a massive bonus for me, but I um I can't just yeah yeah I have a couple of drinks on the weekend it just knocking me around like the al- the old alcohol tolerance is down. I was I was chatting to one of the boys at work yesterday sort of about that. So man, I have a few drinks and I'm really feeling it now because I'm not drinking during the week. It doesn't take long for the to lose your your drinking legs and then and then the other side of that is you know when you're going away on a holiday if you're going to Bali or something or you know you're going somewhere where you're going to be putting a few beers away on the regular you always got to kind of like build your tolerance up the the weeks leading up towards your holiday yeah start drinking a little bit more so that when you do get there you can kind of you can drink and and kick on otherwise it just kind of it just rocks you uh, but I'm at the the rocked end of that at the moment mate a couple of couple of beers on Friday night and I'm out like a light couple of drinks on the weekend it's just yeah really feeling it slow to get going in the morning but you know that's um 
that's that's life in your 40s, kids. That's what you've got to look forward to. Like, I think it's life in your 40s with young kids, right? They take a lot of extra energy. So even when you're not really doing much, you're always managing little people. And it's just kind of relentless. Bless them. Bless their cotton socks, mate. Love, love them to death. But um, they just drain you. Um, that's what I, that's my story anyway, I'm, and I'm bloody sticking to it, mate. Um, speaking of alcohol, I've just been given these hard solos that I heard, heard all the lads at work talking about a crack at the moment, and they're, they're pretty bloody good, mate. So they just taste exactly like a solo, but they're like 4.5%. I'm going to have a sip right now. I'm not a big sweet sugar type of drink guy. I don't drink any actual soft drink. Um... So, you know, for me, it's not an issue, but if you are a soft drink guy and you buy these hard solos, you're going to probably find yourself in a, in a, in a situation because they literally go down like a soft drink. It doesn't taste like you're drinking alcohol at all. So I guess the question is, why the fuck would you drink it then? Because typically I drink because I like alcohol, I like the taste of it, I like the way it makes you feel. But Well, I like the way it makes you feel, and then you find alcohols that you enjoy, certain beers, wine, spirits, whatever. And then you know, if you don't like shit, you don't drink it. But then you find myself in a place now where I'm obviously drinking to get a bit of a buzz because I'm drinking something that tastes like soft drink and it's easy to drink just to get a couple of extra drinks in, which is weird when you when you think about it. Really, hey, why do I need an extra buzz? Don't know, but that's where I'm fucking. That's where I'm at. Smashing a couple of hard solos down on me Sunday afternoon to give me a, a little bit of a buzz. Uh, but yeah, man, if you've got a problem with soft drinks, you, you will put a few of these away in no time. And they're not friggin' cheap either. They definitely don't miss you at the at the bottle shop, that's for damn sure. So a couple of those, a couple of beers. And now my bulk meat cook-up today, which is what I do on a Sunday as well. Cook up usually at least one large portion of meat, like a beef brisket or, or um, you know, um, maybe a pork belly or what's the other one I cook up? Um, like a bowl of blade roast or something like that. Sort of slow cook, except you know, really, if I was to do it properly, I'd be doing it slowly on the Weber. I just doing it. I'm just doing it in the oven or the slow cooker. But yeah, my oven's pretty shit, so I can't cook it too slow. Even on the lowest setting, it still just really crisps it up. I put it in for a couple of hours on 100. Oh, I started on 140 and dropped it down to about 120 in full in a in a in a in a broth in a brine. Um, or a broth, not a brine. And so, so, what's the difference there? A brine would be just a salt water bath. A broth would be like a. Um, it's like a. What do you call that shit? Blanking on it. You know, um, stock. That's it. Like a beef stock bath with a few other ingredients in there as well. Cook that bastard up slow. Uh, first of all, sear it on the pan and then slow roast it in this. Um, in a broth, in a in a uh, beef stock, in the oven. So that'll be my meal. I'll have that for lunches as a supplementary to my lunches every every day throughout the week. And the the pork belly. I saw a little recipe on Facebook. I think it was yesterday that I, I tried today and and worked a bloody treat. So I usually score the top of the fat, which I probably will do again anyway next time. But I usually score the, the fat with a knife and then pour boiling hot water on that. It kind of opens the flesh up. And then you get your salt and a bit of olive oil and stuff in there. Stick that in the pan, in the in the in your um, not your pan in your you know baking dish. And then in the oven, 
um, until it's golden brown on top. Really, the meat cooks itself in a as as whatever at whatever pace it does. Again, I've got a shit oven, so sometimes it's a little bit overdone on the bottom by the time the top's spot on. But that's the idea. You only get nice, good, crunchy. Uh, um, crackling and, and you know a nice fatty pork belly but this time I flipped the meat over and cut the the, the flesh the meaty part into big sort of two centimetre cubes not, obviously not all the way through you just cut it through to the fat rind and stop there and then smeared it with mustard like just American mustard massage that all through the grooves you just cut and then put on whatever your favourite seasoning is I got this lamb and steak spice I'm using at the moment which works well on pork as well pepper that all over the meat side of it massage that in and then flip her back over with the um with the rind up and throw that in the oven for for until it starts to go golden brown it was meant to be an hour but it was only in for about 40 minutes pull that out pasted it with some white vinegar a little bit more salt on top back in the oven till it crisps up and that the the golden crispy uh pork uh, rind the the crackling was bloody perfect and then it was super still moist and tasty as hell underneath with that mustard and, and that spice on it so definitely a bit of a winner that recipe i'll um i'll be replicating that again next week and then i've got my beef brisket that's still just cooling down out in the bench out there but i've felt it and i can see that it's nice and tender and juicy so i'm looking forward to slicing that up i normally slice that up pour a light gravy over the top of the whole thing and throw that in, in the kitchen then i just take a couple of slices of that with my lunch each day as well and lunch is always just like leftover meat from the night before I cook enough for the for the lunch the next day and a, and a big fruit salad and that gets me through normally till thursday or friday so i've always got meat i'm just fucking always got meat mate if i can just get hungry come home and i'm hungry instead of eating a pack of chips or something stupid i can just grab a chunk of meat out the fridge heat it up and just mow that bastard down my fridge always if you come around and i ain't got meat in the fridge there's something wrong something something's bloody going on excuse me we'll have another sip of my hard solo so um yeah what else i've been doing it's getting bloody hot out there i've been just just sort of revisited this um exercising with my my lad at home he hadn't he didn't do any sport this year outside of school like we did soccer the previous years and we just didn't get it, didn't get him in there this year. And um, so I just sort of, the idea was that we'd do some exercises at home and then life gets in the way and didn't didn't prioritise it and it really didn't happen for a large chunk of this year. And, you know, the poor little the little fella, because he's a drawer, you know, an artist and a, and a computer gamer and a movie lover and really all those things are his passion and, and getting out aside and doing shit outside is something that we kind of encourage him to do and he does do but it's not his default mode he's not one of those kids that's just always outside riding around on his scooter and his bike and climbing and just you know that's he does those things but that's not his just default mode you know so he's starting to get a bit pudgy like a bit of a he's got a, a belly and starting to get some little some little man boobies going on and which is very different to to, to me like i was a, a stick figure it's funny because i was a rake a skinny kid I had like a full sucked in any belly button and everything and my ribs hanging out when I was his age. But as a teenager, I got the, like a little pot belly and like the man boobs, the little saggy man boobs, which was a terrible combo. So my whole teenage, like from 13 probably till like mid twenties, I was skinny. So you're already skinny. You're not like one of the bigger kids. And then 
I never used to take my shirt off because I always had like podgy man boobs and a little pot belly like that skinny fat look. It was fucking shit. Um, and you know I was super self conscious about it, but but he's built completely different to me. Like when I was his age, I was literally just stick, just skin and bones, man. I got I got big ears. My ears stick out, right? You don't notice as much with the, with the dreads, but they do. They're there. And, and the kids used to make jokes about me in primary school say, what, why does Dave have such big ears so he doesn't fall down ant holes? You know, <laughs> that, was the, that was the going joke. I don't know if fucking the kids came up with that or if someone's like dad or older brother told them that, but that's pretty good for a kid, man. <laughs> that's pretty good for a kid. And another one was there's sometimes there'd be a big gust of wind come past in the playground and like a couple of the kids grab hold of my arm and go, quick, grab hold of him so he doesn't fly away because, you know, skinny, big ears. Gust of wind. It was a liability. So I was built completely different to him, man. He's obviously built more like, um, you know, not my wife. She's not fat, but the men on her side of the the family who are built a bit more square and stocky, you know. And he's got because he's not just a pot belly. He's got it's like a his whole guts kind of gone fat. And the problem with that is he's just a kid who gives a fuck. Well, he gives a fuck. Like he's starting to become like aware of it and self conscious about it which is a horrible thing to see. And we all know what it's like to be young and to be uncomfortable in your own body and to feel, you know, yeah, like you don't have confidence in it and to be super aware of that and you don't want that. And um, I think that if I could help him do something about it, I'm his dad, it's my job to help him with that sort of shit, um, then that's what we got to do. So we're working on um, getting him to just start doing some some – it's some exercises at home with me He's kind of receptive to the idea But he's very hard to, to teach He's very stubborn um, So it's just working through the the You know, the personality Style of him Where he's, at first he digs his heels in And then he starts getting into it And, and then you see the the little look on his face when he realises he's learnt something new Or he's improved on something from the from the day before Or the week before that's super worth it. So we're, we're kind of working through that at the moment. We're doing push-ups and sit-ups, squats, some helping him with chin-ups. And then um, we're doing boxing. So I got the got him a little boxing mitt set and I'm holding the pads for him and we're doing some boxing. And that's cool as well, seeing him start to put those together. And even though he's not a super sporty kid, um, you see him when I first started teaching him to punch and stuff and even his stance and everything, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like – this is – Terrible, like <laughs> you, you imagine that you just have a natural uh, understanding of how to put your hands and how to throw a punch, and you just sort of fine tune the details on that. But it was not the case at all. It was like, man, it was like watching an alien try and move in a human's body when he first started throwing punches and the way he's stilled and stuff and. I'd tell him a pointer or, or a way to hold his hands or a way to put his feet and it would be like a, a super over-exaggeration of what I was saying. So we, I was learning on how to communicate with him and he was learning on how, on how to throw punches and how to stand and, and, and um, all those finer details and getting frustrated with it at the same time and trying to work through that. And then we started to break it down and then once he got it, it didn't take long. It took a couple of lessons, like a couple of sessions of showing him how to punch, how to stand, and he started to get he started to understand it a lot better. And now those habits that were formed in the first three, four, five sessions he's carrying through. And when he learns something new now, he's kind of going, Oh yeah, he's got that background knowledge and he's just building on it really quickly. And we're starting to do like um 
duck and weave. So, you know, I, I throw a couple of faint punches at him. He ducks one way, ducks the other, and then he throws a little two or three punch combo afterwards. And it's amazing to see how quickly he's picking that up from how unco he was like a month ago, five, whatever it was, six weeks ago when we started. So I'm getting yeah, a real kick out of watching him do that and his little face when he lights up when he realises that like he's doing something that's pretty cool and I'm impressed with what he's doing with how much he's learning. And then he starts getting all hungry to learn more because he's feeling good about the fact that he's learning something. And his confidence, another reason we started the boxing was he was getting bullied at school. Like there's been a couple of fights in his classroom this second semester. I think I went on about the school pulling his teacher out, putting a new grad teacher in a few episodes back and how detrimental that's been to the, not just him but the whole class. And, yeah, there's been fights in his class. He's been punching the head in, the, in class one time. He had another kid smack his head against the brick wall at the bike rack one time. And obviously he felt like he... He knows my opinion on, on bullying, like no one else is going to stop it, no one else is going to save you, you can tell the teachers if you like, but they don't do a damn thing as most of us know, you really got to look after that yourself and sort those situations out yourself um, and he didn't mind st- like speaking up for himself but it felt like he had no, he probably felt like he had no actual recourse when it came to physical um, you know, the physical repercussions. So starting to see his confidence build now, you know, I'm sure that that's helping his confidence at school. And if he does get in a situation again, one of these little shits want to start pushing him around, maybe he's not there yet, but I'm, I'm pretty sure pretty pretty damn soon he's going to be confident enough to go, hey, man, I've said no, I've said stop, I've said leave me alone, I've said get out of my face. We tell him all those things first. Like you don't just, you know, you're nine years old, you don't just start throwing hands, but you tell him, hey, don't. Leave me alone. Get out of my get out of my face. Give me my space. If they don't listen, kids are in your personal space and they're threatening you. Like you, and then you put hands on them. And I'm sure that he's actually getting to a point where he's where he's going to figure that out soon. Definitely not worried about my boy being a bully. That's not his his personality, mate. He's a very very sweet soul. This is really about self defence and having the the confidence to look after himself and and his other friends who are getting bullied. You know, um, looking after other kids as well, which is one of those convos we have all the time about. Never want to be a bully. You want to be able to look after yourself. And bullies are weak people. What tough people do is tough people look after other people who are weak as well. So that's something I'd be really interested to see how that develops over the next you know, few months and years with him. But I'm right now just hoping that we can get him to a, a point where he's comfortable and he, and he doesn't let these kids push him around and get in his face like that anymore. But um, just seeing him he's come along in this short period of time, it's pretty cool, man. I'm already starting to talk to him about... Maybe another month or so when he's really confident with the hands. So we're going to start introducing kicks as well, which is actually where I'm far more um, knowledgeable than, than, you know, I'm not a boxer by any stretch of the imagination. I've done plenty of sort of, you know, kickboxing in Muay Thai um, over the last, whatever, 20 years in, in, in sporadic um, you know, chunks. Um, I would definitely would say that I'm competent in, in that area as far as being able to train and being able to show someone else a few things, but I'm definitely not a boxer. There's a different stance. There's a different um, way you hold your guard. There's a different distance that you that you operate in. There's a lot of things that are different, different between um, boxing and, and, say, kickboxing and Muay Thai. So interested in, in, interested in, in starting to introduce kicks with him and, and um, yeah, but we're not quite there yet. He just needs to get more comfortable with his body, um, you know, and just want to see that confidence build in him, man. Really, really do. It's heartbreaking seeing your kid not confident and, 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 and accepting someone else, bullying them or dominating them at, at school and things like that, you know. So we want to get that shit right out, <laughs> right out of him. 
And then there's my daughter, who's the complete opposite. There ain't no one fucking with her at school. She's already been suspended once for pushing a boy over and kicking him and jumping on him. Um, so we have to, you know, temper her down. She's at the other end of the scale. And she's also not built anything like him. She's built like me. She's a fucking stick figure. She's a little bird. Her legs are about uh, 60% of her body. She's got a long body too. She's just fucking tall. She's long. She's lean. She's got these fucking bird-like bones. There's not an ounce of fat on her. She's fucking hilarious. She's definitely built like me. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's she's got confidence issues in a different way, like about what, what she can do, like how smart she is and things like that, which is bizarre because she's quite, she's quite cluey. But she has her own confidence issues, but it's certainly not around looking after herself, um, which is good. It's a relief, especially for your little girl. So... <clears throat> yeah, man, it's um, yeah, it's life, isn't it? It's all the interesting things about having kids as well. You're always on your toes. You know, these are the things I'm talking about. It's, these things take energy from you. They take mental energy from you. They take you know, uh, um, time. They take you know, there's just always something going on when you have got little humans living in the house with you. They're constantly learning, developing, going through their own little struggles. So you've got to, you got to be involved in all that and guide them and coach them and teach them and you know. That's energy, man. That's all energy and time. And I think if you're doing it right, you should be fucking exhausted and you should be able to fall asleep on a fucking Saturday night after a day night. <clears throat> Just saying that. Just sort of sneak that one in there. All you husbands, the dads, husbands and dads out there know what I mean. Far out. Forever getting in trouble for fucking falling asleep on the couch during a movie and shit. So like, let me sleep. Let the man sleep. Um... What else? Next week, next week, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with the, the potty next week. I'll probably have to try and do it on a Friday or Saturday night instead because there is a big, big UFC card, UFC 294, I believe, which was already a big card. It was Charles Oliveira um, rematching, who's the former lightweight champ, rematching Islam Makachev, who beat him and took the lightweight belt off him. And Charles has had a couple of great fights, I think one, maybe one, one good fight since then, it was really good, he had a little bit of time off, came back, dominated one of the top contenders, looked great, got the rematch, Super, everyone was super excited to come in and see that fight happen again, and the co-main event was this cat, um, Kamzat Chimaev, who's, uh, I think he's like a Russian, another one of the Russian Dagestani type fellas, but he's actually trains out of Sweden. Um, who's a sick, sick striker and grappler, undefeated in his career, um, mauling people in the UFC, had a, had, a, had a bunch of fights during the pandemic. He's had about a year off now, so everyone's super excited to see him come back. And he's moved up a weight division because he was a huge welterweight. Now he's actually still a big middleweight, which is crazy that he made welterweight. Coming back, making his debut at middleweight against another fella, Paulo Costa, who hasn't fought for a little while but is a top contender. And that was a super exciting fight. I've been talking about it all year. They finally made the fight. And then both cats, so both the Brazilians, which is Paulo Costa and um, Charles Oliveira, they both drop out like about not even a week ago. So like within 11, 12, 13 days out from the fight, they both drop out from injury. And so the UFC usually got a plan for this to save these things when, they, when it happens this close to a fight. So who steps in? To fight Chimaev is former 
welterweight champ Kamaru Usman, who's like one of the best welterweights of all time. He lost his belt to the current champ by head kick and then lost the rematch by five-round decision, but he's still very much, if not the best welterweight in the world, the second best. And there was always talk about Jemayev fighting Kamaru because they're both grapplers and how that would look. Um, and then Jemayev moves up to middleweight and then his opponent drops out and Usman takes the short-notice fight at middleweight because he's not going to make welterweight uh, this, at this short notice. So we get to see these two cats fight, which is awesome. Huge test for Chimaev. Um Exciting to see Usman up at middleweight as well. We'll see how he looks up there because he's a big frigging welterweight, man. So that's a super exciting fight. I'm looking forward to, to, to checking out. Um, and also then who steps in for the lightweight title fight in the main card none other than fucking alexander volkanovsky the australian featherweight champ greatest featherweight of all time hands down no arguments by anyone about that and they fought before he tried to step up and, and challenge for the lightweight belt in february i think this year and went to five round decision with his cat islam makachev who just mauls everybody and really showed some holes in his game and showed that he actually has the tools to beat this cat. But it was, you know, he had gone up in weight and just fucking this back and forth fight. Some people thought he won it. Some people thought he lost it. I actually do think he lost the fight, but it was super close. He won the fifth round and the fourth round, which is which is impressive. Um, and now he's stepping into 11 days' notice to take on this cat again and over in Abu Dhabi now, which is typically considered like these Russian cats' backyard. Um, so that's a huge rematch, especially for the Australian fans, and especially like to t- go up again from featherweight up to light- lightweight, challenge for the belt to try and become the- a double champ against this guy who you're rematching. You would really want a full camp, a full game plan for him, and put on all the size and everything. He's going up. It's a huge ask and a huge task, um, and I'm super excited about that, man. If he pulls this off, you're talking like – Undeniable, he and John and John Jones are in this conversation as the two best fighters of all time. Um, I mean, it's already John. Maybe you can probably still throw um, Mighty Mouse in there as well. DJ Mighty Mouse, John Jones is unquestionably the the greatest fighter alive, and then Volk would be right there if he pulls this off as well. I mean, he's still already pound pound for pound the best fighter in the world he's, he's one of you know he's the featherweight goat he's already mount rushmore of of the ufc and he's an aussie cat oh, how cool is that but doing this pulling this off on this notice against this guy would be just cementing his legacy as you know up there with john jones which would be crazy man so super excited about that an already awesome card just got like 50 60 70 percent better by the dropouts so pretty excited about that And sometimes, you know, you like step in like last minute fights, you can be a bit like, oh, I don't know, it's a lot, it's very last minute. But the guys who are stepping in are so good and so mentally tough. They're such a, and they're still, you know, they're still the best in the world. They're not has beens or anything like that. It's like it, these are the guys that can do it, you know what I mean? So super excited about that, man. It's going to be friggin', friggin' epic. Um, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I was thinking about during the week. Somebody asked me what the podcast is about and sort of what 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 I do it for, and that got me thinking. Like, what do I do this podcast? Like, I I intrinsically know why I do it because I love it. It's a passion of mine. But what what do I 
what am I actually doing it for? What What is the goal? What am I trying to achieve here? And I guess apart from wanting to build something that I can um, actually make into a, a living and actually do continuously and, 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 and make it, yeah, monetize it and become something that I actually do, an actual professional podcaster, which is definitely the goal, why I do it is because... I, I want um, a f- an outlet, a, a platform that I can express what I really think in life about a range of topics uh, without having the filter on, you know what I mean? It's it's hard in, in your everyday life especially, and I've mentioned this a bunch of times, like in my job and, and this town where I'm at, how I feel very, very pigeonholed into being something that I'm not. Um, and that is just what how a lot of people know me. Um, it, it's it's hard to do that, and then to be honest and to be yourself and express yourself, you know. So you kind of start losing track of who you are. So this podcast for me is a real fucking anchor, where I can once a week come on here and, and be my fucking self, man, and say my opinions and say talk about things that I'm passionate about, and 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 you know not hold back. On who I am, or for fear of you know being viewed a certain way that's going to negatively affect you know my job or, or or whatever, or just you know the way people view me, um, which is super super refreshing and probably really rare. Um, as you get older, you care more about other people's opinions. It's funny because as you get older, you certainly care less about people's opinions as far as. Um, you're always trying to impress someone when you're younger. Well, I was trying to get approval from people, um, acting a certain way. To I guess, I guess, it, I guess it's still the same, but for different motivations. Like you get older and you're trying to, and you, you you kind of feel you're doing what you're expected to do. You're an adult. You're a father. You're a whatever your job role is. There's a certain way you're expected to act, and when you're a kid, you typically shun all that. But then you try to impress your mates and you're trying to be cool and funny and, and this and that and, and, and you act in a certain way to, to gain clout with, with other people. And you get older and you're like, I don't really give a fuck about that anymore. I want to be myself. But then, you know, I've found myself in a situation where I am pigeonholed down to, to, to be what other people expect of me. And that just fucking sucks, man. And I think a lot of people probably feel that. You can't say certain things, you can't do certain things, you have to react a certain way to certain things. And even on the larger sphere, like when you talk about um, you know, world politics and, and, and identity politics and, and what we're supposed to think about certain issues, you know, um, you know, even even like this yes uh, vote for, for the referendum that just got knocked back yesterday. There was a huge push, huge push um, from the people in the yes camp to to make it uh, uh, to make a real point that if you're a good person you're going to vote yes and if you're a racist or a bad person you'll vote no i thought that was such a cheap shot man it really really pissed me off and it was like a lot of yes posturing all these famous people your musicians and actors and the, the usual types who upsets me because i have a lot of respect for some of these people who i, I see what they're posting because i follow them because i like them and then i see this yes posturing the righteous yes vote, you know, like proudly voting my yes and then their reason why and there's always an undertone of you're a bad person if you don't vote yes. And it's it's like, uh, I want good for Aboriginal 
people. It's that's a, it's my heritage. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't make you a bad person to think this was a bad idea. Not not even the idea. The idea is probably not bad, but just that it was going to be executed poorly and that it was going to be detrimental to the to the plight of Aboriginal people. It doesn't make you a bad person. It means you have a different take on what was being proposed, right? I mean, my dad and my grandma lived their experience as Aboriginal people, and it was it was hard, right? When my grandma was pregnant with my dad, he's born in 1948, so in 1947, early 1948, she was a single Aboriginal woman in a small community in uh, outback New South Wales, Trangy, and she, the man she got pregnant with was married. She didn't know that at the time. He was married and had another family, so when she fell pregnant, he fucking just bailed. He just jetted straight out of the fucking town and, and left her on her own. So all of a sudden, everybody knows these things in a small town. They all talk. So all of a sudden, she was a young, single, Aboriginal woman pregnant to a married man who's gone. The shame and guilt uh, that was cast on her would have been enormous, so much so that she was expected to and did left leave town. She left town through a pregnancy, moved to and went to a um, a women's refuge centre down near Sydney for the duration of her pregnancy, had the baby, had my dad, and then when he was old enough, they came back to training. So all of a sudden she disappeared for, you know, whatever it was, seven, eight, nine, ten months and came back to town with a little baby and you can just imagine the 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 whispers and and uh, um you know the gossip that went on behind her back when she came back oh my god there's kitty she's uh, she's getting she's uh, had a little aboriginal baby you know without a wedlock and this is 1948 man this is 1948 this is the tail end of the stolen generation that shit was still going on so she grew up with that shame right and then my dad grew up as a little Aboriginal boy in this small town, didn't know his father, and his cousins and shit were all, you know, they all they were all called Kuris, and, and he actually wasn't, which is quite funny. I think he was a bit of a, a scrapper when he was growing up, and, and he was kind of oblivious to all of that. My grandma was so ashamed of who she was and what she was, she never even told my dad he was Aboriginal. She, she tried to pretend that they were not Aboriginal her whole life, her whole fucking life. Her sister's... Tried talking to her about it, and my dad's cousins talked to him and her about it, and she just wouldn't have a bar of it. She, it was like she was in this denial. I mean, we've got the paperwork to to, to prove it. You know, I'm, I'm I'm also a member, as my dad and is as well, and we're members of the the Trangy local Aboriginal Land Council. That's I actually just got that paperwork through in the last week, which was really exciting for me. Um, but she just refused to acknowledge that that heritage, and. This is the kind of um, lived experience that these people had as Aboriginal people in this country. So I understand that it's really hard for people. It affects my family um, directly, right? This is not that I don't want good for Aboriginal people. This is just that I did not think that this was a good... This was going to be a, a, um, a good outcome. I just didn't believe it. And I've gone into, uh, on about my reasons that uh, sort of ad nauseum um, to do you know, uh, around that. I think that there's needs to be done at grassroots level and I think the real problems need to be sorted out by Aboriginal leaders in Aboriginal communities around around violence and sexual um, um, assault and uh, alcoholism 
and unemployment and lack of education. I think Aboriginal communities need to be in their uh, leaders need to be in their communities having those discussions, nailing down who the problem makers are, what needs to be done from the people in the community to get kids back in school, to keep them away from abusive families, to get them, to get them uh, through uh, into adulthood without being alcoholics, to get them working. Like we need to work at a grassroots level in the communities to get these people through undamaged to then start making change 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now into the future. It's not going to come from something that's granted to us by a, a, a yes vote in parliament. I just... I believe in all the, the stuff that you're putting division into the constitution and, 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 and I just don't think that this helps people in the communities that, where they need them. I think this is just politics at the top level and it helps serve those people's agendas. That's my opinion. I've been over it at nauseam. Um, but but this idea that you're a good person if you vote yes because that was the narrative and you're a bad person if you vote no, that really fucking pissed me off, man. It's like, um, for the reasons I just mentioned, there's there's reasons where you can be a good person, you can care about the blood of Aboriginal people but still think it was a bad idea. But the media get behind it and, and the narrative is like, I had people saying to me and not saying to me but saying in conversations that I was involved with to other people, look, if you don't understand, you should just vote yes. Because at least you know it gives people a chance. I think that's a stupid way to fucking vote. If you don't know about something that could make a change on a constitutional level, you shouldn't just fucking automatically vote yes. What if it's detrimental? For fuck's sake! Like I think it is, and you don't know what you're voting on. You don't just vote yes because you don't know. That was ignorant, and and this whole thing of um you know you know. But, but I heard some real real sob stories about people saying. You get going on about how kids are dying and all this sort of stuff, and we just need a chance to. We love our kids, don't you? Love your kids? We just want a chance for our kids to stop dying. I'm thinking, what the fuck is getting fucking these people in Parliament got to do with your kids not dying, mate? It starts at fucking in the communities, fucking people addressing the problems that are on their doorsteps, cleaning up their own fucking backyard, taking accountability for our communities, cleaning them up, and then fucking presenting new young adults into the world who are fucking who, who are. Um, you know, more larger groups of young adults into the world who are functioning members of society and can help fucking push change through like that. And yes, some things are going to change, man. Some things are going to change. Talking about the the practice of of tribal law and things like this, like these, these all these traditions that we've had for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they're not necessarily all fucking good. That's what change is, and change should affect indigenous communities as much as it should affect the rest of the fucking world. We can't just be stuck in the mud, stuck in stone. No, this is how it fucking was. This is what we need to fucking keep. You can keep keep tokens of those traditions and honour them in some way, but you don't just have to fucking keep everything as it was, because it was for a period of time. It's called, it's called change. You know, it's 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 called progress, and the whole world is 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 affected by it. Um, and that's that whole posturing, the whole I'm a good person because I voted yes. You're a bad person if you voted no. That and that really fucking pissed me off, and it scared a lot of people who were uneducated or didn't have the the backbone to to stand against that kind of bullying to to vote the way they wanted to. Um, it really kind of pissed me off, man. Yeah, and, and again, if you 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 think that that I because I voted no, I don't care about the blood of Aboriginal people. Well, like I said, mate, you, you don't understand. Um, you know the pain that, like I said, my dad 
he, oh, I'm affected by that not because I live it every day and I think about it. I'm affected by that because I was raised by a man, part, halfly, partially raised by a man, obviously there's two parents, partially raised by a man who is affected by the fact that he was raised by an Aboriginal woman who was so ashamed of what she was because of what this country told her and what community told her and what culture told her that she, would, she, she, she denied her own heritage and that's affected her, her life was her life was ruined she, she didn't have a life outside of my dad after that point and she had hopes dreams and aspirations before she had him like everyone else did so she sacrificed her whole life and and became she became um, imprisoned by this the perception of other people on her and that's how she raised her son that affected him and the way he went through the life and the way he then fucking raised his kids and then the, the, so it's not like I've got trauma but the way I was raised is 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 a is a direct link to to the way somebody's raised um, who was affected by racism and 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 the way that this country views Aboriginal people. So I understand about breaking the stereotypes, and I understand about making progress, and I understand about making a better Australia for Indigenous uh, Indigenous Australians. Believe me, I do. I just don't believe this was it. I actually believe this had the opportunity and the chance to be very detrimental for Indigenous Indigenous Australians, which is why I voted no. So, moving on from that, it's done. The referendum's done. So. And I, but I get I get what people are saying at the fact that some people who are voting no are voting no because they're racist. Are voting no because they're hateful. Are voting no because they're ignorant. Are voting no for those negative reasons. But it doesn't automatically mean that you're doing it for those reasons if you voted no. You know what I mean? That's yes, some racist people were voting no. If you were racist, you'd vote no. It doesn't make you a racist because you voted no. Just like some weak, pathetic. Uh, um, what's the word? Posturing types voted yes. Judgmental, woke, soft, weak people voted yes. Doesn't mean you're all those things just because you voted yes. It goes both fucking ways, mate. So let's fucking um, we'll move on from that anyway. <sighs> Draining more of my energy that I don't really have, man. The the, the energy has been bloody low lately. And I think a lot of that is I spoke about work just before and how much energy I've been putting in there um, lately, you know, and then balancing that with the family life and obviously looking after myself, my own hobbies and things and health and, and that as well. There's a lot going on there. But it's particularly draining spending your days and your energy dealing entirely with other people's problems. You know, it's exhausting. And what, what I mean by that is that at work – all of the problems are other people's problems. You know what I mean? Yeah, they become my problems because it's my job and I accept responsibility for them. So then they become my problems and I spend all my time dealing with them. But like in my life, in, in my real life, like my problems are my kids, my health, things to do with my wife, uh, my dog, my car, the things that I own, the things that are directly attached to me and are important to me around the clock 24-7, they're my problems. When I go to work, I inherit and accept a bunch of, a whole other bunch of problems that aren't actually my problems, and I step into a role where I say, well, okay, well, I accept the responsibility for these problems, and I'll, I'll do my best to, to solve them. That is fucking exhausting, man. It's exhausting. And 
it's as a human, we only have so much bandwidth, right? So much bandwidth of attention and energy um, of things we can consume and, and yeah, energy that we can put back out to the world. So every unit of bandwidth that you spend or every unit of data you spend on someone else's problem is one less unit you have for your own life. Like say, you know what I mean? If you had 100 units and you're spending 70 units a day at work, you've only got 30 left to squeeze the rest of your life into. And that's, that's not just the time frame, it's, it's your energy. It's your, what you can take out and put back in. Uh, put in and, yeah, take in and put back out. So, um, and, and it's not that I believe... Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm getting very tired of spending that much energy and using that much of my bandwidth on other people's problems. And look, I don't believe that working for yourself, um, or even if you were to win the lotto and didn't have to work, um, that you you wouldn't be dealing with problems. You'd be dealing with problems all day long, every single day for the rest of your life, like everyone in the world is. But I do believe that that they would be they would be your own problems you know they'd be your problems um people with money the more money people have i guess the more they can afford to um they can afford to pay other people to deal with certain problems that they don't want to deal with which leaves them more bandwidth let alone yet again to deal with the things that they find more important so i guess that's one of the big positives of money when people talk about money doesn't make you happy no no it doesn't but being poor can make you sad being poor can make you depressed being poor can make your life really hard and if you're already not if you're already a pretty happy person or you have a a healthy positive predisposition to life then being then money can certainly um, help you alleviate a lot of the problems that other people have to deal with because you can just pay them off essentially you pay bills not a problem got the money for it Things that you don't want to take care of, you pay other people to do those things. You're freeing up your time. You're using money to free up your time of other problems that you would otherwise have to deal with if you couldn't afford to pay for them to then deal with a smaller set of problems in a more effective way and leaving more energy for yourself to enjoy your life. That's what I think money does. So, yeah, yeah. You can actually throw problems and money at a lot of problems and leave yourself more energy to deal with the ones that you can't. Which is, a, I guess, something that people don't talk about when they say that whole money can't buy happiness type of thing. So, you know, life can definitely be le- less complicated. Um, yeah. Well, I guess that's how I feel right now. Life could definitely be less complicated and less serious than it is right now. Um, such a serious town, you know, a working town, a mining town. Everyone's connected to the mining industry in some facet. Even if you're in the government, they, you know, they answer to the fucking, to the mining sector um, in a lot of ways. They're in cahoots with them as far as, you know, buyback schemes and um, all sorts of things. Um, it's, it's such a serious fucking town, man. And I think I just want, I think I just want more fun and more laughter in my life, man. And I want my kids to experience that in their life too. You grew up, there's a thing that happens in this town where people give so much of their time to making money because of what we just spoke about. Um, it's funny. I think if you're working long hours in a hard physical, or not even physical, but in a, in, in a you know like a blue collar job, it takes a lot of your time and a lot of your mental capacity to make X amount of dollars. I don't think that's the same as as being wealthy uh, uh, um, from something say creative or investment 
related where you still have time and you have the money. If you're putting in huge amounts of your time, FIFO work, 12-hour shifts, all this sort of stuff, a lot of your mental energy to make that money, I don't think you still don't have the bandwidth to deal with those problems in the way we were just talking about. And what people tend to do in this town is they, they, they sacrifice a certain period of their life, whatever it is, 10 years, to work these huge hours to put money aside so they can then move away from here and start a new life somewhere else and, and provide for their kids and buy a nice house and all those kinds of things, right? But what happens in that period of time is that you're not there with your family um, and your kids are growing up around someone that's absent and stressed out and worn out and worn down and very serious and high-strung and that's what they absorb, man, you know? And... And, and you're missing your kids' lives. And my kids are young, man. Every year that goes past, they change so much. And they're going to be teenagers in, in the blink of an eye. And I need them to see another way of living. Not stressed. Not busy all the time. Not run down all the time. I, don't, I need them to see another way to fucking live so they don't go and live their life the fucking same way as I'm doing it. And there's, I feel so bad because I'm doing it. And so many other people come to this town. They do it to make a fucking... Do the right thing for their family. And they end up teaching them the wrong way to live um, and not being there to see them grow up and being there for the important milestones and shit. And um, it's fucking sad, sad, man. It's fucking hard. You know what I mean? I miss being easygoing and relaxed. I was always sort of high-strung in a way of... um, I did find myself in multiple altercations throughout my youth growing up, and that was always a a part that was built into me, but... Outside of that, I was very relaxed and easygoing and cruisy, you know. I'm just so uptight these days. I'm always on. I'm always, like, problem-solving mode, like, <sighs> can't let my guard down, can't let people see me for who I am because then that's going to compromise the way they fucking interact with me fucking at work. And uh, it's, it's fucking exhausting, man. It really is. It really fucking is. So I guess it's safe to say I've got a bit of... A bit of soul searching to do there. Look, I reckon that's probably it for the week, mate. Covered off a few things I've got on here. Um, the voice thing. Yeah. I just want people to understand. I understand if you voted yes. I think most people did because they're compassionate and they wanted to do the right thing. It, just, it pissed me off the, the shame and guilt campaign that was launched by a lot of people, a lot of celebrities. Um that pissed me off and I just want people to understand the other side of the coin it doesn't make you a bad person because you voted no it doesn't make you a racist because you voted no it doesn't mean you don't care about indigenous Australians because you voted no just because those people exist as well the two aren't two aren't one and the same and people who voted yes need to understand that don't fucking judge your friends and your family members because they voted no they very likely have a different point of view to you and it very likely comes from a well thought out uh, it could be naivety could be ignorance but very likely comes from a well thought out point of view that's just different to yours and I might be wrong about the voting no I, of course I might be wrong but I at least thought about it and that's the way I see it you might be wrong too but at least you thought about it and that's the way you see it got to be able to fucking accept other people's decisions man and have conversations about it um, so again that's another one of the things I want to do in this podcast we spoke about why well, I do the podcast earlier I want to have a forum where um, People can talk. I want to have people on here who have different opinions to me and we can talk about it and try and get some middle ground going, open the lines of discussion and I really want to be able to just um, 
speak my mind about things and not worry about repercussions and what you're supposed to think and what you're supposed to say and what the current political climate is and I just want to be myself, man, have fun, have a laugh, be honest, let people get to know me, get to know other people um, and, and, and I want to speak to people like I do in my everyday life around the place, listen, actually just listen a lot and then be able to speak about what I feel other people like myself, working class, blue-collared people, what their experiences in a country like this and in a, in a time like this and what their opinion might be on certain things that they're told they should think about uh, a certain way and be able to be a voice, even if it's a small voice right now, just for, for other like-minded working class fucking people and, and, and um, yeah, we don't have enough voices in this country who are who have the balls to stick up for us and to speak our, our truth out loud. It's like there's a certain type of people that get a voice in this country, even with even with podcasting and even with the internet and uh, the opportunities that are there. I think, think social pressure still keeps people quiet and in their box and people need to speak out more. People need to have balls and say what they're thinking and say what other people in their community and other people who are like them are thinking and that's one of the things I want to do with this podcast as well. I want to be a voice for the average man, excuse me, for the average man slash woman um, and relay what I think people like, like us are thinking and feeling. That's pretty, that seems pretty like a pretty important thing to do. So that's one of the things I want to do with this podcast. But for now, I'm going to play you guys a track on the way out. Um, this is Webby, so I've played you, in the past I've played you um, Rich Men North of Richmond, which was that cat that wrote this song about um, the state of the world right now and his opinion, which we were sort of just talking about, and he just wrote it and recorded it on his on his um, iPhone and it became a massive big viral hit, and this song's been remixed by a rapper, uh, Webby, who's a sick rapper, and I'm going to play you the remix. Ooh, there we go. On the way out. So thanks for ep- tuning in to episode number 165 of the Average Man Podcast, Kicking the Tires. Here we go out with uh, Chris Webby, Rich Man North of Richmond Remix. Peace. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to. People like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up. May it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living in the new world With an old soul The rich men know the rich men Lord knows they all just wanna have total control Yo, give me freedom or give me death To that we pledge allegiances We the people had enough It's time we aired our grievances Against these treasonous demons So raise the alarm Cause the pigs are fully taking over On this animal farm Don't know anymore This world's gotten too cold to ignore Shit, is it 2023 or 1984? Thought police up at my door To open fire on me But I'd rather die on my feet Than survive on my knees And please, we know how they looking at us From up at the top The tougher they made it for us The fucking tougher we got They thought they'd keep us scared forever But fuck it, we not We'll send them back to North of Richmond In some cuffs or a box It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to People like me People like you Wish I could just wake up May it not be true But it is Oh, it is Living in the new world With an old soul Rich men, old for rich men
Behind the politicians, there's a far more sinister villain that's power-driven. Only answer to money is their religion. They controlling the way that we live and keeping us mentally stuck in a prison. So that the fire they know is rebellion never can spread whenever it's risen. But they've been seeing us waking up and now they fucking afraid. As we the people get to see and through their fucking charade. We're being played by these elites who would rather see us enslaved. As they lead us by the hand where the land's dug with a grave and they could kill our character through stories they publish. Or they'll just murder us and brand it as suicide to the public Or an accidental overdose Print the story, run it, say it's fact So people trust it, accept it, and move on from it But it's time to pick a side and get to striking a nerve In any way we're able, I'm fighting this fight with my words And if they keep pushing, then fuck it We inciting a purge And just to think, all we wanted was the rights we deserve It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living in the world with an old soul. The rich men know the rich men. Lord knows that all just want to have total control. Want to know what you think. Want to know what you do. And they don't think you know. But I know that you do. Your dollar ain't shit. And it's Oh, the rich man, oh, the rich